you know, the porter was, it was just the beer. It was the beer. In 1816, like, <laughs> 20 people died in the brewery. Uh, time out, time out, time out. Okay, gym show over. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Andy, Andy, you had a question. Dog points on that. <laughs> Andy had a question that's not 300 years old. <laughs> this will be the after show. <laughs> this, is getting, this is clearly getting cut. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's definitely not going to be it. <laughs> Welcome back to the Tap Takeover Podcast, powered by Shepherd Express. We're here for the third part of our three-part Central Waters interview series, and we've got a fun tasting and the last of our audio. We're going to ring the tape and and get these last few drops out of there. This has been an amazing experience with Anello and Simon, uh, sitting down and talking to these guys about their fantastic brewery out in Amherst, Wisconsin. We're sitting down right now, and we've got two amazing beers to try. We've got the Brewhouse Coffee Stout, got the Rye Barrel Chocolate Porter later on in the episode we've got a very special beer that andy's going to tell you about in just a minute right now let's talk about these two beers sipping on this brew house coffee what what kind of impressions are you guys getting i'm getting a ton of coffee on this and this is a last year's version i believe it's mellowed quite a bit i would say drink this as fresh as you can the coffee is much more pungent in the fresh version so absolutely drink it as fresh as you can the coffee really just punches you in the face when it's fresh yeah you've had a you had a couple of these when they were very first uh, produced right andy so the the coffee coffee has fallen off a little bit or has it kind of settled into the beer it's settled in and the, the coffee flavor is mellowed out a lot but it's still a lot more coffee than you're going to get in a normal coffee stout yeah i mean i'm i'm hearing you guys say that it's more intense coffee i think this is fine i mean anything more would be really punch you in the face i think this is it's mellow but i, I see how you guys are saying it fell off a little bit but if it fell off from a punch you in the face coffee i think this is fine so yeah, i i'd almost say uh, i could use more coffee i, I think i might have enjoyed this one when it was a little bit fresher this is one where i might not have laid it down yeah it's it's definitely a, a high coffee uh brew house coffee stout yeah really nice and compare this one to the rye barrel chocolate porter where it's just it's a blend of a lot of really nice flavors this one has also sat for uh, about a year is that right uh yeah just just under a year yeah the rye is it this is a spice of beer because it's really shining through the rye hey, everything's still there i mean yeah it's it's good really you can taste that yeah the barrel's big time on this. and this is why i kind of implored anello to make more imperial porters i mean this is a really great beer and i wish they had more of it to share yeah i I almost think that this beer has uh, peaked out. I, I feel like this is the very peak for this beer. I'm getting the dark fruit flavors. I'm getting all of that. I feel like aging this beer any further might just be overkill. And it might actually start to turn a little bit. No, we lucked out. I think you're right. It's perfect how it is. I was actually a little nervous that it might have fallen off or something. You, you always, this is always an experiment, right? You lay it down in the bottle and you don't know what you're going to get. This is, I think this is perfect. Yeah, ab- absolutely. I mean, this is again something I I think it was a little bit better the fresher it was and the same with the coffee house out i think it was better fresher and anello and simon and paul have all done the work up front on these beers and you should drink them right away but some of their beers do need to age and the only way you're going to find that out is to buy some buy more than one drink one right away and then lay one down and see how it turns out i agree with alex on this it's 
it's almost a spicy plum, you know, for that dark fruit flavor. So it's I wouldn't give this more than another couple of months in your cellar. And Jim, speaking of uh, buying more than one, uh, we had the opportunity to buy a really special <laughs> beer when we were out at the brewery uh, doing our interview. We took a little break, and the rumor has been confirmed that during the weekdays, this was on a Thursday night, they do release very special releases into the case. No fanfare, no uh, you know Facebook posts, no nothing. They just kind of put it out there. Anello talked to us a little bit about this and said he doesn't want to know when they do it because he wants plausible deniability. He doesn't want people coming up to him and asking when it's going to happen. So it's all up to the taproom manager. Andy, why don't you tell us about the uh, the very special beer that we were able to come across. So uh, Jesus happened to uh, wander over to the beer cooler. First break in the interview. He said, holy shit, guys. Come over here. We need to start buying these. It was very <laughs> surreal because, yeah, I saw the label. And I'm like, wait a minute. Is that the maple bourbon stout? <laughs> I'm like, holy cow. How many of these can I buy? One. I said, okay, hold on. I'll be right back. <laughs> So Let me go are. grab five of my closest yeah. friends. Yeah, so we just made a beeline to there, and we took basically most of them. You know, it's probably not the intention that Anello had, just because we weren't locals, but we just lucked out. It was the perfect timing, and everything just worked out for us. But wow, what a what a cool yeah. treat for locals! I and mean, they do that all the time. Yeah, I mean, there was when Ardia was at its peak in trading. Well, it's still at its peak right now because it's so super rare. But they would put that out middle and, of the week, and it's just not locals though it is folks coming up to central wisconsin and then northern wisconsin who may be up there for tourism right i met a couple of gentlemen who were coming through who are doing on a big fishing trip they were coming through central waters filling up their growlers for their trip sure enough they got a couple of maple bourbons to go along with the other growlers well, you know, it, it leads back a little bit to uh, episode two, of this interview series with Central Waters, where Simon talked about how he really likes to meet people from out of state, you know, people coming in from Indiana, Illinois, and kind of, you know, lead them through some of the special beers that uh, they do at Central Waters. Uh, hopefully you don't get bludgeoned <laughs> when you do it. Uh, you know, if, if you don't understand that joke, you'll have to listen to episode two. Yeah, it, it was a really fun experience to, to be able to buy that. Andy and I were actually fortunate enough to have bought the, uh, the brown paper ticket for the original release back in April. Uh, so we already had had a couple of bottles, and we, we drank those <laughs> pretty pretty early on. But uh, yeah, it, it was nice to be able to buy a nice, another bottle and, you know, just throw it in the cellar and, you know, let it let it age a bit. And uh, the really fun part is uh, we're going to take one of those beers that we bought and we're going to drink it at the very end of this episode. That's going to be kind of the finale of this entire three-part interview series. But uh, for now, let's get back into the interview after a very special edition of Beer News. And uh, we've got some talk about uh, the maltster for uh, Central Waters, Breeze Malts. Jim's got a few fun questions for uh, for Anello about that one. Also, uh, in general, about sustainability and the carbon footprint that a brewery leaves behind. So, beer news, then let's get right into the interview. This edition of Beer News is brought to you by Kindred on KK. And we are very happy to be involved with the Black Gold Dinner that they have going on on Kindred on November 4th. Tickets are $75 a piece, and you get a five-course gourmet dinner paired with a beer from Central Waters and a beer cocktail made from the same beer. Alex, what do you think about this event, and can you give us some more info? Yeah, absolutely. The folks at Kindred reached out to us about this beer dinner and also some breaking news 
news. So we've got some breaking news for you guys. The beer dinner is going to turn into a tap takeover, which is why they reached out to us. If you have a tap takeover, you reach out to the tap takeover podcast, obviously. And so this one is going to be a 930-ish tap takeover. The doors will not open to the public until after the beer dinner has been completed, but I can guarantee that there will be black gold. The same black gold that's on tap for the dinner is going to be on tap for the tap takeover. Andy, do you want to tell us what other beers they have on tap for this? So the lineup for the beer dinner is as follows. We have HHG APA. We have Rift IPA. A new one from Central Waters. Black Cherry Porter. We have the Cassian Sunset. And we have the Black Gold. So yeah, all of these beers are going to be available for the tap takeover. But I just want to reiterate that there are tickets still available for the dinner. And if you go to the dinner, obviously you are going to have first dibs on the tap takeover. So if you go to the dinner, you're going to have some black gold with an amazing menu, which we're going to be posting next week. And then after that, more black gold. How about that? Sounds like fun to me. And I will actually be there at the beer dinner with my lovely wife, Amber. So feel free to say hi. And we might be doing a couple of small interviews for just everybody's take on the beer dinner. And we're looking forward to future events with Kindred on KK. So for the easily accessible beers of this week's beer news, we have not one, but five easily accessible beers. Tis the season for pumpkin beers, and we have Jesus's Pumpkin Picks for 2017. Coming in at four and five are two beers from Southern Tier Brewing, Pumpkin and Warlock are two easily obtained bombers that are sure to satisfy your pumpkin beer cravings. Number three is Painted Lady's Ale by Tyranina. If you like Ambers, this is the pumpkin beer for you. Number two is Whole Hog by Stevens Point Brewery. Nutmeg and cinnamon are prevalent in a good way in this one. And number one is Lakefront's Brandy Barrel Imperial Pumpkin Ale. It clocks in at a whopping 13.4%, so it's sure to warm you up on a chilly fall night. Getting to the actual beer news, this beer news is jam-packed with upcoming beer releases local to Wisconsin. This Saturday, October 28th, is huge for Milwaukee releases, and it starts with Broken Brat Brewery in the Third Ward of Milwaukee. They are releasing a bourbon barrel-aged stout named 762 this Saturday, starting at noon at their brewery. 762 is an imperial stout aged in 16-year-old Heaven Hill Kentucky bourbon barrels. Rich chocolate and caramel flavors blended with first time used barrels from heaven hill create a phenomenal beer drinking experience weighing in at a hearty 10.6 abv this imperial barrel aged stout is creamy dark as night and incredibly smooth on the palate bottles are 15 dollars each with a limit of three on this big boy make sure you stop at broken bat this saturday at noon to get one or three bottles also starting at noon third space brewery will be the place to be they start their barrel aged series with two epic releases on the same day Beer number one is Haunted Barrel, a candy bar porter. This porter was brewed with coconut, then aged in rum and bourbon barrels for six months with vanilla and cocoa and cinnamon. With a three-bottle limit, there should be plenty of this one floating around Milwaukee. Beer number two is a very limited variant called Haunted Hazelnut. This version of Haunted Barrel was aged only in rum barrels with vanilla, coconut, and hazelnut added. Only one bottle per person limit on this one, folks, so make sure you get to third space right after Broken Bat. Also on the 28th, Eagle Park releases their second beer 
Porter in their special release bottle series. The triple dry hopped Immortal Soul with Nelson Sauvignon Hops releases at Eagle Park and Bayview upon open. Check their social media for bottle count news because club members get first dibs the day before this release. Start planning now for Lakefront's annual Black Friday release on November 24th at 8am. We suggest getting there earlier this year as a one bottle limit for a very special edition of Black Friday will be available to the first thousand people. This triple X Black Friday is a blend of the previous three years of Black Friday. Not only can you get this, but three bottles of regular Black Friday, which was aged in rye whiskey barrels this year for the first time ever. This event is always a blast and is a must attend every year for the TTP crew. So we'll see you in line super early and maybe we'll share a beer. On Saturday, December 16th, Good City releases their second edition of Density at 10 a.m. This barrel-aged double stout was a hit last year and we're sure it won't disappoint this year too. They will also be releasing 16-ounce cans of Dr. J Double IPA as well. For news not local to Wisconsin, but it will surely hit our market, keep your eyes on the internet for any news surrounding Founders Brewery. Rumors have been running rampant that the coveted CBS Canadian Breakfast Stout will make its return in early December this year. It was last released to the public in 2011, but you can bet the house that people will be stalking liquor store beer managers as to the exact times for delivery leading up to this release, so don't miss out. And this has been an upcoming special release edition of Beer News. Just talking about production, do you source uh, exclusively through uh, Breeze Malts, or do you source through other maltsters as well? 100% Breeze Malt here. Always have been. As far as I'm concerned, we always will be. Now, there's something special about that. You there's do something source... special Breeze. That's our slogan. Did you do that on purpose? <laughs> <laughs> that is literally their slogan, something special from Breeze. We're 100% Breeze, man. Like, yeah. we, we have been from the very beginning. Here's the thing. It, it, it's part of our sustainability thought as well. Like, it's all malted in Wisconsin. It's not meant, like, the barley's not necessarily grown in Wisconsin. Although some of it is for us, because you have a local malt. organic uh, yeah, barley, from two miles down the road that grows barley, Breeze malts it, and we're the only brewery that can buy that mar- that uh, barley. And we add a little bit of that to every beer we make throughout the year. So we have every beer we make, every beer you've had has a little bit of locally grown barley in it, as much as he can grow for us. It's all malted, like dude, it's like an hour and a half away from here, right? And so I'm not saying that there aren't advantages to Maris otters or you know European malts. There may be, there are, okay. But I think we make pretty damn good beer with all barley malt in the state of Wisconsin. And they're an hour and a half away. So when when I see a bag of European malt and another brewer's brewery, I just like where my head goes. And this isn't like a knock in anybody. It's just where my head goes is the ecological footprint to get that fucking bag there. That had to get put onto a ship and shipped across the Atlantic Ocean, put onto a train and then trained to someplace and put on a semi truck. It's like, dude, we have a place in state making world-class barley. Why wouldn't you use that? I just, I, I don't know. I just don't understand it. You know, I, I'd love to talk about that for a second, talking about your carbon footprint, because, I, I mean, you can't drive up to the brewery without seeing the solar panels that you guys have in your backyard. Yeah. So as far as, like, water, sun, malt, no, all no, of no, that no. stuff, yeah. how Sustainability is a big part of yeah, it. How, yeah, how important is reducing the carbon footprint to uh, to central water? Clearly it's important. I mean, we've we've when we invested in the solar panels, that was, you know, at that point it was like, do you buy more fermenters or do you buy solar panels? We bought solar panels. So that tells you where our priorities lie for that. Well, I said earlier, 
about the Brie outliving us when you think about the word sustainability. Everybody always equates that to renewable energies. Well, renewable energy is a part of sustainability. The word to me, the definition of sustainability is exactly this brewery outlives us, that sustainability. So what are the things that make a brewery sustainable or any business, but really I'm thinking about a brewery, right? Being able to produce our own power on site. Now with the new solar panels we have, 65% of our power is generated on site. That's a crazy number for a brewery, right? 65% of all the power we use is made here. That's fucking awesome, right? I'm proud of that. We recycle as much water as we possibly can here. The amount of water we use is lower than the industry average. I'm proud of that. But everything else goes into being sustainable. Lights that turn on and off when you walk in the room. Trying to promote cultures within your company of being sustainable, recycling and whatnot. Trying to reuse things much local sourcing on bottles, on cardboard, on malt. Treating your employees well so that they stay. Well, even sustainability. <laughs> no, Simon excluded. I think we should call him Sparky. <laughs> Simon excluded. That's a, that's a throwback to our fermentorium. But uh, like, but like uh, episode twenty-one in <laughs> fermentorium. All of these Fuck things. yourself. <laughs> yes, the true Simon comes out. So that's that's to me, you know, my definition of being sustainable is more than just the solar and the barley. That's a those are the big sexy parts of it but again like we don't advertise that it's not like we're marketing the shit out of the idea that we do 65% of our electricity on site we could you know I mean I think that would be attractive for some people but that's that's not why we did it so we don't do it that that's way. personal ownership you know yeah you know that, that you wanted to do so does that tie all this ties into your your involvement with the Midwest uh, Hops and Barley Co-op oh look at that you wrote huh? that down you we're a legit podcast no a legit <laughs> podcast would have sent me the questions in advance bullshit <laughs> So the Midwest Hops and Barley Co-op was something we were a part of at the beginning, um, trying to get local farmers to grow hops and barley, and that's still happening. There's some really legit hop farms growing, and, and we're more active in the barley side with our local farmer than we're on the hop side. We're not using any local hops in them. There are some that exist, but just not in the quantities and what we're looking for in the time. It just doesn't match what we're trying to do. Right so you now. used to so do like a wet hop IPA We did do a wet hop beer for a yeah. few years, yeah, from like local farmers. But I mean, wet hop beers are fun. I mean, let's be honest. Are they really good? <laughs> they could be. <laughs> Have you ever had a wet hop beer like, holy fuck, this? Like, no. I promise you this. If you've had a wet hop beer that you're like, this is hoppy as shit, it wasn't a wet hop beer. Yeah. Because wet hops taste like grass. Like there, it's not the same flavor profile. So to a consumer that doesn't understand that, and you make a wet hot beer, and it's not this like grapefruit, as you guys asked, New England IPA juice bomb, it's gonna taste like hay and grass. It's just a completely different flavor. So we've made it before. I would totally make it again, but it's just a, it's an educational experience for the consumer that's that's different. So I've had plenty of beers from breweries that are labeled as wet hopped and I've drank them. I'm like, I'm sure there's wet hops in this, but the flavor profile of this beer is not wet hops. Yeah, it, it's really difficult to do a true harvest ale. We did it those couple of years, and like I said, very grassy. So let's get into what are you guys doing for the rest of this year and then 2018? Um, so this year is fairly set. Uh, Burn Barrel Stout launches in November, and that'll be the last special release of the year. You know, Solange comes back out again our winter season. But then 2018 starts the new cycle for barrel aging, and that's going to be the first half of 2018 is kind of bananas. Now, is that a reference to something, or no, is it just crazy? No, no, just crazy. All right. We just have thought a new, we might be seeing a banana so, beer. Um, <laughs> brand new barrel-aged beer coming out in roughly January, let's say. I'm All right, so this is put after on. anniversary, right? After-ish? No, probably before-ish. Oh, uh, breaking news. 
gone into the market or brewery only? It'll go on in the market, limited amounts. A rum barrel aged coconut porter. Mm. Oh, we were just talking about how you guys, as much mud puppy porter as you make, and you're your number one seller, not a ton of barrel aged porters. Well, just the rye chocolate porter. Yeah. You can ignore that if you want, but that doesn't exist. No, but I mean, no, it doesn't. That's why I said not a lot of. As as compared to the stouts you barrel age. Correct. So, yes, the rum barrel aged coconut porter. Be about January. March, then, what we try to do is a barrel aged four pack release every other month, right? That's like a perfect world for us. The resurgence, the comeback. Peruvian morning's coming back. This is the first. I mean, I've, I've told bar owners, I've told people never said it on like a publicly broadcasted thing but peruvian morning is coming back march 2018 peruvian morning awesome. wow so that'll be a big to do and then why are you giving them everything may is going to be cassian sunset but at volume so it's it'll, there'll, there'll be availability of it not like what we've had the last two years where it's a small amount coming out and everyone scrambles for it and it's gone yeah, not immediately just, not yeah. just the taste not just the taste <laughs> it'll be actually volume of it coming out so what other beers are going to eventually be volume? Because you got so many that are small. I we mean, have more ideas than we have space in the calendar for, man. And, like, volume comes with popularity of the beer. And so if, you know, we'll never do a first-year beer is never volume. A first-year beer has to be small because if it doesn't sell, you don't want to be really fast. And you try to do a little bit more, and then you see if that works out. Like, it's a it's a four- to five-year process to get a beer to a, something that I would call volume. Peruvian and Cassian and Bourbon Barrel Stout. Bourbon Barrel Stout's freaking ridiculous volume. A volume I would never imagine it would ever would have become. It takes it takes many, many years to be able to forecast that out and confidently, for me to confidently tell Simon, I want you to be with a thousand barrels of Peruvian morning. That's a lot of beer, man. <laughs> you know, like I better be damn sure that I have an outlet for a thousand barrels of Peruvian morning before he makes it. It takes a long time to get there. And I'll tell you what, it's it's one of the signs of a great brewery that you're, you're still growing organically. You know, you talked earlier about how you guys don't want to get stale, you guys don't want to get old. And one of the, the, the key signs of that is that you're still growing based on what the customers want. You know, oh, yeah, there, a lot of breweries will just put things out and say, here's what you're going to drink now. Yeah, that doesn't make sense. And a lot of breweries... Because they won't buy it. And then a lot of breweries do? don't sell a lot of that beer. <laughs> yeah, that's I mean? the problem. So yes. the, the fact that you guys are still very responsive to what your customers want I think is probably the key to why you guys have stayed ahead of the curve well I appreciate that and that's a that's a really nice try but we're still not going to make a New England IPA (laughs) (laughs) we're still trying we're still trying (laughs) do you think it's a fat or you think it's going to say yeah yeah yeah, I do. This is my you're, you're acting opinion. like you really yeah. don't want it to be a fad. This well, I mean, I can might see it. Good. The porter was a fad. Oh, no, it wasn't. The the hazy, in the, the 17th, 17th century, in the 17th century, porter was far and do you away. you know that it's 2017 and that was 300 Ooh. fucking years yeah, ago? Yeah, I'm just saying, at one point, it was a fad. <laughs> Dude, come on. <laughs> right? Because we go all the way back to the Ryan Heights vote. You know, the purity yeah, law geez. of 1516. <laughs> right? That's... Five hundred fucking years ago, and we're still using it today to define a lot of beer styles. For me personally, I really enjoy the hazy IPA. It's a very sure. a lot of hop people do. forward. I'm not knocking that. A right, because the West Coast style. What do you enjoy about it? Uh, you get more of the actual hop aroma, and not so much of the. I mean, how is that different for you from a heavily hop pale ale or IPA? 
What makes it different? Uh, I, w- I would say apart? a lot of it's on the IBUs, the specific IBUs, right? So, so you're talking about bitterness. Yes, so you're getting Not definitely... Happiness. You're talking about bitterness. Exactly. It's all about zero IBUs, I think, with the uh, hazy, fuzzy IPA. Okay. Um, you get so the, the, the funness of the... And the muddiness of the beer has nothing to do with what you enjoy. Well, I'm also a huge fan of Firkins, and, and on Firkins you get a very soft mouthfeel, which you're able to get out of a, a hazy kind of beer as well. It's full of flour. That was gross. <laughs> no, when it's done well. Okay, so that's the other thing. There's a lot of these beers being done too. Terribly, as you pointed out. As anytime. I mean, they are anytime just there's a sad, there's bad ones and good awful. Ones. I would say also bad though, sours and good sours. Oso's hop debacle, their mm-hmm. fuzzy IPA, delicious. Why does it have to look like mud? You can make that beer I, look like mud and have it. It doesn't like that. have to. So uh, that's not what you like about. It. No, but that's what signifies it being a New England IPA. Uh, well, to me, it, it's all about the bouquet and the nose. If I get a big whiff of hops, yeah, yeah. but if we made a beer. That was zero IBUs and super hops, yep. and it was crystal clear. Yeah, I would love it. But it wouldn't be a New England IPA. It wouldn't catch the fat. Ah, well, fine. Right? Yeah, let's dance with the that's, devil. That's what I don't like about the fat. <laughs> and you would that's still be like asking us the same question. Is, you see it? The thing, so this is my point. This is what I'm narrowing yeah. down to what I don't like about the fat, is the fat has nothing to do with the flavor. Yeah. And the IBUs is that it's milky as shit, and people are drinking it because it's cool, because nobody else would drink something that looks like that. Looks like you mix a bunch of tums into a glass, and so the flavor is what everybody likes. That flavor is achievable in any number of ways. Flour. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Thank you. <laughs> Yes, um, but you can make a beer that's that that's presentable in terms of a clarity standpoint with that flavor yeah. profile. But it wouldn't match the style, so it would get rejected. And that's why I don't chase that yeah. trend. Sure. So trends aren't styles. Trends can turn into styles. And maybe I'll put my foot in my mouth in five years and we're making a New England IPA that <laughs> looks like orange juice. I don't know. We'll, we'll pull this audio out. <laughs> yeah, I will be here, won't be here anymore, probably. <laughs> he keeps saying that. Hey, so uh, I wanted to go back to the, the barrel aging program. You guys are only one-use barrels, right? So Correct. what does a yearly order... Are we still order... telling people that? <laughs> Breaking news! I'm, I'm totally kidding. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna get fired. I'm totally <laughs> Why he's saying if you're no beer? Totally joking. You're so a terrible what? employee. At some point, Simon will cross the line. It's like, dude, I'm sorry, but I got fired. <laughs> <laughs> dude, I can't say I'm not. <laughs> ready to fire it before he hired you. <laughs> Even I'm amazed that I haven't been beaten to death in a bar fight. <laughs> so what, what, does a, what does a yearly order of barrels look like? Are you, you guys are going to different companies, different uh, different producers of, uh, of spirits. How many barrels do you guys normally take in in a given year? And with Barrel House expansion, mm-hmm. how is that going to increase, do you think? Well, you know, I mean, there's like 4,000 oaks in here right now, and that's all single use. The large chunk of those are done within a year. Some of them, obviously, the Black Gold anniversary beers last a little bit longer. But expanding the barrel house doubles the, the space. And for those that have been to the party before, know that this is where we hold the party. So if we can have more space, we can have more people, we can make more beer for more people. And when you have issues like, for 19, there are 200,000 clicks on buy tickets. Jesus Christ. On that Brown wow. Paper Tickets website, right? 200,000 for 2,000 available tickets. So maybe that was like, you know, 20,000 guys clicking 10 times. I don't know. Either way, it's a shitload of people. That doesn't make sense to me. It's, it's hard to register what to do with that information. Black Gold, there are 500 tickets available online. There are 80,000 clicks 
onto that website and we switched from brown paper tickets to event break for black gold because of all the people bitching about brown paper tickets saying it's the fault of brown paper tickets and we know it is not no. brown paper tickets <laughs> actually brown oh, paper tickets God. is way better than event break for me on the back end that's the last time i'll use event break because they don't offer the same advantages to the producers of the show that brown paper tickets does in terms of the background information and the ability to handle stuff <laughs> you guys are going to get comments now <laughs> about, about ticketing websites ticketing websites and yeah. shit because seriously that was like think of you, you watch a facebook feed after a brown paper ticket event fuck brown paper tickets i hate brown paper yeah. tickets it's like dude when it doesn't matter the technology doesn't exist have you guys to thought handle about that volume of people trying to hit the button at the same time well even then that, that many of people you're going to lock out people you're yes gonna people say, are going to lock out they're going to think i had a ticket and then i got knocked out i mean that's just the technology doesn't exist to make that work I, have you guys thought about going to a lottery system i, we I know have done a lottery system okay people okay. people bitched yes. about that too yeah. i yeah. think lottery sucks it sucks because it's harder to work. I fucking hate doing it. Yeah, it's more work I'll on you guys, that. for sure. Yeah. But regardless, what sucks about a lottery system is there's no skin in the game. So anybody in the country can throw their name in the lottery. And they get picked, and they could be from anywhere in the country. And they're like, yeah, I had no real intention on coming anyways. And then they get selected, and they don't show up. And that's right. a spot that somebody else who really wanted to come could yeah, have come get, to. You get no shows. And that's not there. fair to the people that really want to come. And so then you have, okay, so the only other solution really, you either do a ticket sale online that's kind of based on how fast your internet is, which sucks, yeah. or you do who's first in line, and our anniversary party is in January in northern Wisconsin, like, that's not... And then you have people show up who can't get beer, and then... Exactly, you have people staying on happier, and that's a bunch of un too. unhappy people. And so, neither of those, are, I'd say out of those two situations that are realistic, the better one of the two is do the online sales. So then that comes back to how we handle things now. And so we do that. Some of those tickets we keep here at the bar. And our bar managers and our bartenders know the locals and the regulars that come in here and they're able to offer them a ticket so they don't have to. If there's a regular, I mean, we're in a ton of thousand people. We're rural Wisconsin. Some dude lives 10 minutes away from here in the country. I promise you his internet is not fast. His <laughs> upload speed is slow as shit. So he's probably not getting a ticket on the online site. But if he's a regular here and he really wants it, he'll have the opportunity to get it. And then past that, if they don't come, because frankly, a lot of the regulars that support this place every weekend, they don't want to be here when there's 2,000 no. people here. Sure. It's a lot of hassle. But they want the beer. And so as you guys saw today, uh, our bar manager has the freedom to take anything out of our cellar and throw it into the bar cooler based on what he sees in, in this place. So we package up more of the beer than we really truly need for that event. None of the beer, like, we, you never sell all of the beer in an event because not everybody shows, not everybody buys their full allocation. So there's extras. And the extras, we just randomly throw in the bar cooler now. So you could come up here in August and walk in the bar and be like, holy shit, is that black gold in the cooler? Yeah, 20 bucks a bottle, it's four bottles per person, you want it? Go ahead and buy it. That happens just randomly here. So it rewards the locals, it rewards the people who come here. And to me, it's the fairest way to get rid of the beer. We used to do first come first serve at the end of the party. So you'd have the ticket sales, and then we'd do first come first serve with whatever was left over. But then that was only rewarding the people that also got the ticket sales. It wasn't helping the people that didn't get in, and that didn't seem right. People that got the ticket, you already got your bottle allocation. You don't need any more than that. It's also a way to try to curtail the $350 bottle black book sales that go on. Is keeping the allocations tighter, not allowing, we don't allow proxy buys. We stopped that a few years ago. So you can't come in and buy tickets for a bunch of people. You can only buy yours. And so we're trying to find ways to limit the ability for secondary sales as much as possible. So you'll never eliminate it. 
sort of sort of sort of wrap us up here, we'd like to just talk about Artie and Cygnus for a minute, and what was the genesis of that, and are you ever planning on doing something of that magnitude again? All right, it's a good story actually. One of our old brokers got us some twenty-five-year-old burn barrels, and we're like, yeah, we'll totally take them. We're like seven or eight of them, I want to say, uh, which are hard to get. I mean, twenty-five-year-old bourbon is hard to get. Twenty-five-year-old burn barrels themselves are hard to get. And this was when Simon was not the lead brewer. There was another guy that was a lead brewer. Simon was a brewer here. The good old days. The good old days. Yep. Life was easier back then. <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> <laughs> was right? Yep. We got these barrels in, and Paul and I gave the brewing crew the challenge of make a beer in these specs. We gave them specs to hit uh, to age in this beer. And so they brewed this beer, and it missed. It was not the specs that we wanted. It was short by a couple percent alcohol. It just wasn't, wasn't where we wanted it to be. And so we just said to the crew, we're like, okay, brew it again, but brew it right this time. And in the meantime, figure out what you're going to do with that tank full of stout that was meant for those barrels that's not going to be there anymore. And you know what that tank of stout became? Space Ghost. Oh, shit. Wow. Cool. So Space Ghost was a result of messing up the beer that was supposed to go into the 25-year-old, the 25-year-old barrels, which is why we still use that base for barrel-aged beers because it's a solid stout for that purpose. That beer that went into those 25-year-old barrels became called Fat Elvis internally. We've never released it as such, ex- with the exception of Artie and Cygnus. But we still use it in all the blends. So. I mean, and you know, we've never been offered 25-year-old barrels again. We'll take them in a second. But, I mean, we're one of the top 10 brewing purchasers of barrels in the nation, and we haven't been offered them yet. So, I mean, like, if anybody gets an opportunity, like, we're definitely in the top rung of people that get them, but there's just not a lot of them available. There's not a lot of distillers that uh, that age their their spirits for 25 years. Can you can you disclose the distillery? Oh, it was Heaven Hill. It was Heaven Hill. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. They're the largest bourbon maker in the world. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, they get they don't get the same, you know, hype as Buffalo Trace does, and Pappies are awesome, awesome bourbons. When you put, this is my opinion, disclaimer on that, if you put Pappy Van Winkle barrels on the label, you're just using that as a way to sell your beer because it's not changing the flavor profile of your beer. That could have been Heaven Hill barrels at 25 years old, you'd get the same result. So you're using the popularity of Pappy to sell your beer. That's the purpose of that. It's certainly not changing. I mean, any 25-year-old barrels are freaking awesome. You know, Heaven Hills are great. Those are equally expensive and sought after and awesome bourbons coming out of Heaven Hill that are at their 23 and 25-year ranges and hard to get. But they just don't have the, the media hype that the Pappies get. Nothing wrong with Pappy. I mean, Pappy's, Pappy's awesome. Heaven Hill's awesome. Well, I, I think this is a perfect time to wrap it up. We appreciate all the time that you guys have spent with us, all the beers that you've shared with us, and uh, thank you guys again. To, uh, thank you to Simon and uh, Nello for uh, for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, for me, for Alex. Jesus. Andy. Uh, this is Jim. And looks like we're out of beer, so uh, we're going to call it a day here. But uh, thank you for joining us. All right, so that concludes our uh, three-part series with Central Waters. Amazing guys and so much fun. But let's talk about that near miss with Artie and Cygnus. We're going to do the tasting with Space Ghost, Caught in the Rain, and we're going to follow up with that maple bourbon stout that we found in the coolers. What do you guys think about the Space Ghost? So, I mean, it's a really great base stout. I would question why you would put ghost peppers. Uh, There have been some really fine, well-done beer stouts. Braxis comes to mind. It has a little chili in there. Space 
Space Ghost is over the top. Like they just want to mess you up with these ghost peppers. <laughs> and we should mention that the the one that we're drinking, Andy, you've been aging this one for about two years in your cellar. It's still coming in hot. There's nothing not, mellow about this. Not no. barrel hot, just pepper hot. I mean, I I love hot. I, I love you know mm-hmm. hot wings. I love hot <laughs> sauce. I love everything hot. Boy, this one's coming in hot. I can put it like this. I mean, it was a miss for putting it in 25 year old barrels, but obviously it's still a base stout that's very good because it's coming from central waters it's the fat elvis. all the stouts they do are good yes it's the fat elvis base stout so why you'd want to load you know ghost peppers that are full of capsaicin in into this stout that was very well done to begin with just not well enough for what you intended i, I don't understand yeah i mean I, I completely understand why you want perfection to go into a 25 year old barrel you're just not going to get those again so you need to make sure that it's absolutely the best stout that you can make and it, as Anello said it didn't hit the specs it's a good taste it does have that tingling so i i can see how people get turned off but it is a good taste on the front end on the back end it's maybe coming out a little hot but it's still a good taste yeah i, I will say i don't i don't mind this quite as much as uh, jim and andy uh, are coming out against it but uh i it's also not my favorite stout that uh, that central waters is doing i'm not sure i mean based on the two years that this one's been aging i'm not sure that there's a period of time that you can age capsaicin for where it's going to completely fall off and and just kind of meld into the rest of the beer maybe that's the case with a lesser pepper but when you're talking about ghost peppers i i don't know that there's a time limit on that one it's one of the hottest peppers in the world i i really do i like the stouts i like the the base stout on this i like the idea of the the addition of the the peppers but i just feel like ghost peppers were a miss on this one and there's going to be people out there that disagree with us there are going to be people out there that love spicy beers and this is going to be right up their alley but that's that's the fun part about craft brewing there's a beer out there for every person you know there's a brewery out there for every person so no matter what you like there's going to be something out there for you and speaking of that point central waters is known more for their barrel aging stuff but they wanted to get into some other beers and thus the uh, caught in the rain and you know some of their ipas and double ipas are born so what do you guys think about this one it's a, it's a bit of a variation from what they typically do or what they're typically known for well there's actually two unique stories with this one because uh, i actually had this for the first time when a friend brought it over and i had to check if this actually was central waters because it's so unique and sure enough yes central waters came out with this style of beer <laughs> and then when we were there i you know i'm always curious what the brewers and what the owners think of their taps i said anella so what do you like here he's like well the one i like is a not here which is caught in the rain which kind of threw me off because all this great bourbon barrel age stuff they do and this is the one he goes to it's really fun too because that is one of the beers that uh, he mentioned in the very first part of our three-part interview series and mentioned how important Simon is to the brewery because they've been doing bourbon barrel aged stuff before Simon got there. It's what drew him to the brewery in, in the first place. But it's Simon who really pushed some of the uh, the experimental beers, including some of these double IPAs and IPAs, really revolutionized their IPA lineup. Yeah, I got to thank him for horseshoes and hand grenades. So I will say that Caught in the Rain is a very hazy IPA. I mean, it does have a lot of fruit added to it, so it's not quite New England style, but it's hazy as all get out, and they can say it's all about the pectin. It's a hazy IPA, and it's very fruit forward. I mean, I'll just say it's it's not my bag. I've never liked pineapple, so that's probably why. I can definitely see where they're going with it. It's just not my thing. Yeah, I, I like pineapple a lot. Uh, I, I could drink a lot of this one, and, and actually it drinks really smooth for a double IPA, so I'm pretty impressed by that. Um, hazy 
Jesus, what uh, what are your impressions? Well, I think it's light, refreshing, and the coconut and pineapple are not in your face. They're there, but it's not overpowering or like a fruity beer. And Central Waters really is making some inroads into how they're making their hoppy style beers from horseshoes and hand grenades to the uh, remake of Glacier Trail into Rift. And this is what Simon has really brought to Central Waters, which will always be on the barrel program. They need to start making some hoppy beers, and they're starting to really nail it with some of the things that Simon's coming to the table with. But to get back into that barrel aging program, I've got a really special one here with with a maple bourbon stout. This has been trading for very high prices on the trading sites. Basically what they did, and this is a really fun story, (laughs) they accrued bourbon barrels, as they do, and then they took some of those bourbon barrels, gave it to B&E's Trees, which is a, a maple syrup company, allowed them to age the maple syrup in those bourbon barrels. Then, you know, they t- extract the, the maple syrup, give the barrels straight back to Central Waters, and now suddenly we've got a bourbon barrel that has aged bourbon, it's aged maple syrup, and now it is aging one of their biggest stouts. What are your first impressions? And we were both there, Alex. You actually got shot glass samples of the Viennese just bourbon barrel maple syrup. Delicious. It's so good. On top of waffles would be absolutely ridiculous. Well, so what I can say about the maple barrel stout is it's uh, really astounding the difference between the bomber and just straight out of the tap. I don't know if it's the aging or just being bottling with extra carbonation, but out of the bottle, what do you think? I, I kind of like it more now. <laughs> I think the uh, the syrup is a little stronger and, you know, some of the barrel is falling away a little bit, but it's it's pretty incredible. We should mention this has been aged in my cellar since April. Is that correct? So, yeah, it's it's been aging down there a little bit, and there are definite advantages to aging this beer. So, Jesus and Jim, this is your first taste of this one. What uh, what are you guys picking up? Well, I think it's I think it's fantastic. I always think of the three steps: the, the nose, that initial taste, and like that aftertaste. The nose is it doesn't it's it's a it's great. I mean, it gives you that you know what you're gonna about to taste, but that sweetness right off the bat. So yeah, I guess overall it is a really smooth right now. It, it, I think it's great. I mean, I, I guess I I don't know what else to say. I like it a lot. It's you know you got the bourbon barrel with the sweetness. It's not overpowering either way. It's a maple sweetness. I like this is literally maple syrup in this glass. Well, and I think that's the important distinction is it, it's almost like the barrel speaking, right? We talk about that all the time. The barrel speaking through the beer, and I think you get that the longer that this ages, the barrel has got a lot of maple syrup mm-hmm. in it, and Just it's got a lot of the those. That's the yeah, difference. It's got a lot of those bourbon, you know, vanilla, oaky flavors, but it's also got that maple. And I think the longer that you age this beer the more the maple is actually going to start speaking to you that's a fun that's a fun experiment and i think on that note uh it, it looks like we're out of beer as as we finish up this uh, maple barrel stout so uh for me for alex for jesus for andy i'm jim hey and thank you again for the gleasons for our theme music and our closing music and this has been a solid non-fail production cheers cheers cheers, cheers.